Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is September the 22nd, 2021. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, here's a little reminder. We are a podcast about media, and that includes movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. I hope you all had a wonderful and memorable 21st of September. Yes, I I remember. I know I do. I know you did. I did too. (laughs) Uh, Yes, September 22nd. uh, This is episode... 298. Nice. Uh, creeping up to that glorious Zack Snyder 300 number. <laughs> I have to, does that mean we have to collectively kick someone into a pit and say, This is the Media Boat podcast? This is podcast, yeah. Yeah. It's required. Media Boat. <laughs> but before we do that, let's do episode 298. And we always start every episode with. Movies, and we'll always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers, and this week is no different. Your number one movie is still Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, this week earning another $21 million. That's at $176 million total domestic. Does yeah. that, is that our new total? Is that our new winner yet? I mean, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, but it, it, I don't know of anything. I said this last week too, but I don't know any, anything that might outdo it. Maybe the Matrix in December. Is that going to be enough runway for it? I don't know. I mean, it beat the Fast Saga, which is a which topped out at one seventy two, right? Which is impressive. Although I bet when all is said and done, I bet Fast Nine probably outperforms it internationally. Uh, Shang-Chi is going to be stronger domestically. But... Oh, yeah, I'm talking about domestic numbers here. Yeah, I know, but but I'm just saying bigger picture. Um, yeah. Fast 9 is probably going to be your global uh, number one. I mean, it's at 704. Right. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous in a pandemic. Like, that's an incredible number. So, it's a little perspective for y'all. Let's move on to the rest of this top five. Number two, Free Guy with another $5 million. That's sitting at a pretty good $108 million. That is what you call a hit right now. Um, I think that's done way better than they probably were expecting it to do. Yeah, it crossed the $100 million mark last week, which we unfortunately forgot to mention. Yeah. But yeah, that's a hit on Disney's hand. Right. Yeah, Disney again. Your top two. Coming in, number three, Cry Macho, one of your debuts this week, $4.4 million. You will be talking about this film in a moment. Yes. Number four, Candyman with another $3.5 million. That's at 53 domestic. Malignant is your number five, rounding out your top five at $2.7 million this week at a $9.8 million domestic total. In case you're wondering about your other debut, it's at number six, Cop Shop, making just $2.3 million. Yep. Uh, And real quickly for reference, Black Widow is currently the number one film with 183. Oh. But Domestic. as you mentioned, Shang-Chi at 176. It'll outdo it. It'll pass it next week. It'll do it. Moving on to new release, and I say release singular as there's just one. The uh, musical adaptation, Dear Evan Hansen, that I'm sure your musical theater friend has been talking your ear off about and or angry about in um, in some cases because of the casting choices that they've made. 
Uh, but yes, uh, Dear Evan Hansen coming to theaters this weekend. I don't believe it has a streaming co. I do not feel? believe so. It's Warner Brothers. Yeah, so it would have been HBO, HBO, but they're choosing not to do it. So no, uh, they'll have to go to a theater to see it. But uh, yeah, I think it'll do all right. Or is it Universal? I think it's Universal. I don't know. I can't um, tell you. Either way, yeah, I've been hearing, yes, part to go see it because it's musical, but part you shouldn't see it because of the content of said musical. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, hmm. It's, I know some people, I know people who both like are well-versed in musical theater who hate it. And I know people who are well-versed in musical theater who love it. So it's very divisive um, as a show, but it was a Tony winner in the year uh, that it was released for Best Musical. So, hey, be that as it may. Some people are big fans. Some people, it's not for them. And 30-year-old actor playing high schooler. Yeah, there's that. see it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our news stories here, which I'm typing up right as I speak. I can't spell the word museum for the life of me. There we go. Our first story isn't about a museum, but instead about a classic children's author. And Netflix. Yeah, and and Netflix, because we can't do anything here on the Media Book Podcast without talking about Netflix at least once, and they this week have acquired the Rolled Doll Story Company for an undisclosed figure, giving it access to the full catalog of works from the famed British author. Netflix designed the creation of a universe of projects based on doll properties across animation, live action, film, TV, publishing, games, live theater, and consumer products. To date, projects put into motion for Netflix include Taika Waititi's adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and an adaptation of Matilda, the musical. So yeah, they already had an existing deal for 16 stories in 2018. This is Netflix laying down the money saying, well, can just <laughs> take the whole cake now. Right. They may have enjoyed working with the property so much that they were like, all right, let's just take, we have the money and we have the, like the management, we have the staff for this. Let's, let's buy them. Let's buy them. Why not? Uh, These do include all properties, including BFG, Mm -hmm. um, James and the Giant Peach, technically the witches, even though that just came out on HBO Max. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's funny that you mentioned this because all three of these things have adaptations by different studios in the past. Yes. And so this now puts everything under one roof in a way um, that hasn't been the case before. So so much like Universal took all the Dr. Seuss adaptations and right. started cranking out a bunch of films for it. <laughs> I expect the same thing from Netflix in the coming years. Yeah. Like when I say years, year. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> However fast it can get stuff produced uh, with an impending uh, uh, potential strike on our hands. Uh, but we'll get to that, I'm sure, later. Uh, we'll get you... to that in two weeks. Oh, you because... don't have that story at all. Okay. No, but real quick, I don't have that story because the vote won't happen until October 6th. We should at least talk about it here, then. This is our opportunity. Uh, so. So a month ago, we talked about the IATSE mm-hmm. going in renegotiations with the production studios. It's been a month and they have not budged. The talks have stalled out and there is talk about striking the uh, that first Monday in October, which would be October 4th. 
Mm-hmm. It's more or less looking like that's what's going to happen, especially since the IATSE is talking about adding not only streaming residuals in the new contract, but also increased pay into um, medical funds, right. especially coming off the pandemic. Yeah. The studios, more well, more or less than more, have not said anything. They've kind of gone silent against the IATSE. And they're basically waiting them out, trying to call their bluff. Mm-hmm. I expect strikes to happen that October. I haven't seen any word of any movement around any sphere that I've seen. This morning, I saw a lot of talk on their side about they seem like they've already made their mind up, but you're right, an official vote has yet to happen. But it seems like, yes, as of where the taking the temperature this morning, it seems like a strike is all but confirmed. Right. Uh, Let's see here. The vote is to take place on the 4th, but be tallied over the next two days yeah. on the 6th, and the, so the 6th would be the earliest right. that we would have the strike happen. So, of course, then, of course, the, the, the question is, how will this affect entertainment? And the answer is, greatly, if the studios don't immediately come back to the table to bargain with them, um, because this will be like the writer strike of 08, but worse, because it's not just that there's no scripts and they can improv, it's that they can't, they will not have a union crew on union productions to actually do the productions. So this will grind productions, both film and television, to a halt if this happens. Uh, studios will either have to bargain as fast as possible to get the union back, or they will have to hire scab labor, and nobody wants to see that. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a disaster for the studios if this does go through but hopefully a boon for the union because of course the goal here of course is to make sure that they're getting these these benefits and there's getting the treatment that they deserve so right and uh, like i said or like i mentioned this isn't off our radar yeah it's, I'm it's keeping the, track of it it's on the back it's, burner i just felt like we did it happening in two yeah so that's the big news that we'll cover when it happens yeah I just felt like we needed to talk about it since we haven't talked about her recently. Um, So yeah, just a little update with that. All right. Now that's taken care of. We have another update for you. This one harkens back for a couple of years ago on the Media Boat podcast when we were first covering this, I believe. Remember the Academy Museum? And of course, what Academy you're asking? The Academy of, 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 of Motion Pictures, of course the ones that run the Oscars. We've been talking about them making a Academy Museum in Los Angeles for literal years here on the podcast. Right, brought to you by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas originally. Bought the land, Mm -hmm. put out the money, but going to the Academy as a film preservation. Well, it's finally here. It has been built. It is opening soon. In fact, how soon, you ask? September 30th, that is next week, and will we'll include an exhibit on animation history and the problematic side of sexual assault, racism, and violence in animation through the years. A three-gallery experience titled Inventing Worlds and Characters looks back at questionable imagery and tropes. Here's a quote from assistant curator Dara Jaffe. When you have a completely unlimited craft 
by the laws of physics, you can have wondrous examples of pure imagination. Still, you also get these extremely grotesque depictions that represent the racism of the current time." Unquote. The exhibit presents only 12 examples of numerous such moments across animation history. She clarifies, we weren't attempting to be exhaustive. If there is a cartoon that traumatized you, we weren't trying to exclude you. Rather, this is only the beginning of a larger conversation that the museum wants to have. So if that interests you at all and you're near the LA area or visiting Los Angeles soon, um, then hey, this is- a birthday coming up that you're very interested in going to. (laughs) Hey, yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah, it's there, and it sounds like a really interesting um, exhibit that um, hopefully will educate a lot of people about things that are kind of brushed under the rug uh, by a lot of re-releases um, and it looks like excluded cartoons from the past that are been removed because of racist imagery. This is a good way to like remind ourselves of what happened in the past so that we, we can learn from those mistakes and think about what they mean now. Right, much like the way Looney Tunes put it up front in front right. of old cartoons right. about this is of the time period mm-hmm. and does not reflect the current modern day holdings of Looney Tunes and right. incorporated. It's still a part of your history. It's why I still say that even though MLB Hall of Fame <laughs> is history that they should right. include the steroid era because that is a part of MLB history. It is for better or for worse. So it's something yeah. that you shouldn't ignore. Right. It's like why Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. It's something mm-hmm. you Can't should really not ignore. ignore. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm sure, of course, they'll have other exhibits as well. Uh, it'll be a full featured museum, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Like what they yep. have collected there, much like the Grammy Museum in LA, yes. it will have a lot of memorabilia, yeah. movie sets, props, scripts old footage like it's the history of motion pictures yeah all right that'll do it for movie news let's move into some thoughts um i'll I'll be real brief about mine i did i followed your instructions from last week's show christy and i watched uh barb and star uh go to del mar or vista del mar was it all right okay so I went in blank, not knowing basically much besides what you had told me. And unfortunately, Christy read the IMDb um, um, thing and uh, just a real brief like Google synopsis thing, whatever Google throw, threw up when she Googled it. Yes. And unfortunately spoiled a guest star that doesn't didn't appear until the end of the film for us. So mm-hmm. I knew that was the only thing I knew going into this thing is that this person uh, was going to be in the movie in some capacity but the way that that person was presented was not how i intent, like expected at all and that summarizes pretty much our feeling about the film i yeah i had a really good time with it i think it is really really funny i think the jokes are great i think the the structure is fascinating i think that it's willingness to do the weirdest and almost off the wall thing constantly from the get-go the way this movie starts is such a curveball. It's not what you think at all. It gave me vibes of, remember everybody's reaction when you start figuring out what Dude Where's My Car is actually about? Or I when got, um, yeah. uh, Cabin in the Woods is all about? <laughs> right. I mean, less so Cabin in the Woods because it's like working on that kind of horror cliche. Right. 
but dude where's my car is an interesting comparison because it's like you're going in expecting just a comedy about a buddy comedy and immediately it's set up to be like actually this is something this is a different genre altogether surprise and this movie kind of does that too um and so yeah i did not anticipate that but it all works in a weird weird way um christy thought it was the most strange thing she has ever watched (laughs) Uh, i think she was more baffled than entertained but i was definitely I was definitely on board with it. It's it's good. And yeah, I would also recommend uh, anybody who has a Hulu account, go check it out. I feel like a lot of people, yeah, it's a, a little under the radar this year. I think it's going to become one of those cult favorites that people reference years from now and be like, hey, no one watched this, but this is this is really good. It's why I referenced Popstar and yeah. Hot Rod in my similar last week. Similar kind of vibe for sure. So yeah, absolutely. It was a fun time and we'll probably, yes, be in our discussion, probably in our top fives in the end of the year here. Yeah, um, it's our pineapple princess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I too want to go to the home of a turtle. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> you watched an actual movie that came out this week. Yes. Actual movie that came out actually this week starring actual movie star. Yes. Um, Clint Eastwood actually directed this as well. Actually. Basic premise of this is what does it mean to be macho? Well, the big man. The village people once described it as, well, actually, they didn't really describe it. They just said they wanted, they to, wanted be one. to be a macho man. They wanted to be a macho man. Right. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> that is macho man. That's not himself. No, you were doing. I don't think you were doing a macho man there. You were doing a, um, you're doing a Hulk Hogan. I'm there. doing a Hulk Hogan. You're, was that Hulk Hogan talking to Macho Man? Is that, yes. the, is that what you're going for? Yeah. Macho Man is more like that. Ooh yeah. Ooh yeah. Yeah, that's that's a Macho. Yeah, that's the Macho Man. Have it do a Slim Jim. Here you go. That's a Macho. That's Macho Man. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, let me put the shades on. More <laughs> Macho Man on you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's. I prefer a Nacho Man, personally. This film is all about <laughs> lying. And lying to people. Okay. Lying to yourself. Lying no. about reasons of why you're doing stuff. Lying for the sake of protection. But when you lie, you're not being a man. Because real I men see. tell the truth. I see. So Cry Macho is Clint Eastwood is a former, like super former, um, <laughs> Cowboy. Oh, okay. Not of the Dallas kind, but, but rather the, the rancher kind. The rancher. Yeah, the rancher kind of kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bucking stallions, cowboy. Sure. Hey, stallion. Somebody's got to buck those stallions. Yep. He was great back in his prime, but now sure. he's you know Clint Eastwood old. It's not his first rodeo. No, he's trying to make it be his last rodeo. Yeah, sure. Because that's the stage that he's in. <laughs> He's getting too old for this ish. <laughs> yes. So he takes a deal to go to Mexico to retrieve a package and bring it back across the states. And no, I'm not talking about where the Millers. <laughs> that's the exact same premise here. But no. But no, 
Uh, <laughs> he goes across the border to Texas to retrieve a kid to bring it back to his father. Mm-hmm. But mom doesn't want him to go until she does want him to go. But then the dad doesn't want him to arrive. But then he does want him to arrive. <laughs> he has very hard whiplash of people's motives within the first half of this movie. Mm-hmm. But then the second half of this movie completely throws all that out and <laughs> becomes pseudo dad to this kid. Like Uncle Tio, Grandpa, Dad. Sure. Because he teaches him like how to be macho. So he just turns into Grand Torino halfway through? A little bit, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, that's what Clint Eastwood does now. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's like Clint Eastwood pre-Grand Torino and post-Grand Torino. And he's kind of just, yeah, kind of just spinning his wheels a little bit. Yeah. A lot of Clint Eastwood. Especially fake Clint Eastwood on a horse. <laughs> Wait, how is he fake? Oh, stunt double. Because oh, you don't expect okay. actual Clint Eastwood to be on an actual horse. Yeah, you're telling me, you're around. telling me that Clint Eastwood, a man who is very old, cannot be filmed on a horse anymore. <laughs> I am telling you that they tried to make it look so much uh-huh. that old man Clint Eastwood was <laughs> fucking a horse in order to break him. You just, and he just, didn't throw his back out. I feel like you're just saying that as much as possible because you enjoy saying it. Yes, I do. Okay. I don't even know if that's the correct term. I don't know if you buck a horse. Yeah, well, they try to buck you <laughs> off. But yeah, they try to buck you. Well, it, I think the term is breaking. You're breaking the horse. Yes, you're breaking the... Yes, which sounds also sounds wrong, but it, yes, is, right. it is wrong, which is why I prefer bucking. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, yeah, um, so the kid realizes that, hey, this old man isn't that old because <laughs> he's macho. He broke the horse. He yeah. bucked the horse, or the horse didn't buck him. So, like, maybe there's something that he's knows what he's talking about with wage and experience and wisdom. Maybe. Maybe. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, like, put it up against Grand Trainer. I think Grand Trainer is better. But it's very similar. It's kind of the kind of Clint Eastwood movie that Clint Eastwood knows or makes now is that it's it's his thing. Now, is he also, did he also direct this? He also directed it. Okay, that checks out. It's just, yeah, he's gotten to a comfort zone in his old age. He knows what works. He knows what uh, audiences expect from him. And so, yeah, I don't blame him for settling into this kind of vibe. Do I blame him for some of other choices he's made in the last 10 years? Absolutely. Talking to chairs, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't blame a guy, you know, in his twilight years being like, these are the kind of movies I want to make. This is what I'm going to do. I mean, if you were like jonesing for uh, like a <laughs> Western or like a rancher movie. Sure. Like Mexico trip movie. A lot of Western scenery. A lot of if Western, you want Western scenery. Yeah. Western Mexico mm-hmm. kind of scenery. Yeah. We haven't had, I think we've had one of those in like a couple years. So yeah. it fills that missing hole. But was that hole really missing in the first place? No, because he makes one of these things every year and a half, it seems. So right. it's, yeah, no, it's like, it's not super in demand. It's just that this is what he does and Hollywood's going to keep enabling him. 
until they stop making money. <laughs> if you want more action that's like this, go watch Sicario instead. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that's crime macho. Or was it Rambo Last Blood? Oh, yeah, whatever that last Rambo was. I think was. that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. But that's like more action, though. Yeah. Gun toting. So, on the media boat scale, crime macho is probably a pass. I'd pass, even though you can stream it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, most people did pass, especially on the, in the theater. It came in sixth. Yeah. Uh, the other movie on this list, did you, uh, did you have time to watch this? I did. Okay. So, complete whiplash of what I just said. Exact opposite. Okay, tell it's me. still in the same genre. Well, kind of. Kind of. Guns. Lots Sh of guns. Tell lots me about... Shooting, lots of action. Now, you know... The Media Boat Podcast is a pro-Mary Elizabeth Winstead podcast. Yes, it uh, is. You could call her Media Boat favorite, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So the fact that we, when we found out that she was going to be in an action film uh, where she was going to kick all kinds of ass, we were interested, I would say. Yeah, I have not had time to watch this. How is Kate on Netflix? Kate is action-packed. Um, it takes place in... Osaka in Tokyo it's mm. but very much of that like Japanese kind of samurai inspired cinematography all the action shots are beautifully made there's a lot of guns throwing think John Wick in Japan mm -hmm. but it almost sounds like you're describing like a John Woo film it is almost like a yeah. John Woo film there's, there's no doves flying there's mystery <laughs> There's guns flying. There's doves in the air. Are there there's, actually doves? Uh, no, maybe. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's snipers. It's running on rooftops. It's jumping and leaping. It's espionage, cutting off hair. Like you're you're doing me no good alive. So dead. <laughs> One liners up the wazoo. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. How is she in this? Do you think she translates well into an action star? We've kind of had hints at it before with uh, recently uh, uh, Birds of Prey. Uh, then before that, she was in uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Um, does she pull it off? I think so. I think this is a vehicle for her. Mm -hmm. But then again, there are moments where I feel like this is, could be a vehicle for anybody. And that's kind of where it falters for me. Okay. It eventually does, in the action, become generic action. Yeah. It's not highlighting her specifically. I wanted to ask about this because one thing I picked up from the trailers was it doesn't seem like she has a whole lot of personality beyond hard hardcore action hero mm -hmm. kind of thing, which is fine because, again, we don't have a lot of action movies like this with women in the lead role. So to just kind of replace who, the man with a woman is kind of still kind of groundbreaking. And it's sad that we still have to say that. But that being said, the best action movies are classically the ones where the hero has a little bit of attitude to them or a little personality to them. One of the reasons why Die Hard works so well is that John McClane is a interesting guy. You want to know more about him because of the random ass quips he makes through the movie. He's a funny dude and you're like, okay, he's endearing. He seems like a good family man who's made some mistakes, but he's willing to make up for them. 
you so little dialogue in that film is said by that character, but it's enough to flesh that character out in a real way to endear you to him. Which, of course, you know, as the movie, as the franchise went on, they kind of, you know, maybe went too far in that way. But but that first movie is a really good example of way, the way that can be done well. Does this movie try to give her a personality enough for her to be endearing, or is it just? She is a vehicle for carnage. Well, she's an assassin. So yeah, she's right. a vehicle for carnage. There is very little backstory given and it's spaced throughout. So you get a little bit here, a little bit there, kind of unpacking the mystery of how she became an assassin yeah. and also unpacking the mystery of who's out to assassinate her. Kind of a Kill Bill vibe sure. to it, very heavily inspired. But like I said, there are there quite a bit of moments where you don't feel for the character. You it, you can just be like replaced with anybody. Yeah. Unlike, say, I'm going to throw a movie out here from the early 2000s, Salt, which was Angelina <laughs> Jolie's movie through and through. Yeah, or even though, funny enough, that was also a yeah. role written for a man replaced yeah. by a woman. Or I would even say a. Uh, double feature of Charlie's Theron, if you uh, go recently, Atomic Blonde, yes. which was a great action film that really took advantage of her acting strength. And of course, Mad Max Fury Road, which is also, she's not necessarily the star of that, but but she's, but her character makes that movie in a lot of ways because of how interesting and, and deep they kind of delve into her. You can and say so, she literally drives the film. <laughs> You could say that, but I would like to keep doing this podcast with you. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, no, you're right. There are recent examples of of a fully fleshed out character. And maybe Kate doesn't quite do that. However, do you think this movie allows the possibility for more stories about this universe and this character? It definitely does. Okay. All right. Um even though you can kill the head off a snake, there's always more snakes out there. Aha, yes, always. I mean, the Fast and Furious franchise has proven that nine times over at this point. Yes, um, at this point. Right. But uh, is overall, though, for an action movie on Netflix, was it a good time? It's a fun action movie. Yeah, I had fun watching it. I think that's all, all you can ask for it out of Netflix. How does it compare to the John Wick movies? Because I feel like that's the easiest comparison to make right now. Yes, and I would tell you if I ever saw a drama film. Oh, no. Okay, to be fair, I have seen, let's say, 60% of John Wick 1, and that's all I've seen. But I got in, I saw enough of it to get the idea, mm-hmm. and I do eventually plan on finishing them. But uh, but yeah, like what I saw of it, I was like, okay, I know what this is. See, I plan on watching them before John Wick 3. Then right. they announced they're going to do the John Wick 4 in five so like well i guess i don't need to if i know he's gonna survive yeah but at the same time though i feel like they, they they're not so plot heavy that you need to know right the whole story but i don't know anyway all right anything else to say about kate or can we safely move on uh, it's got Woody harrelson in it if that's gonna tilt your scales it's not okay i'm still gonna see it though all right, all right. <laughs> let's move on then we're done with movies, so that means it's time for television. And that, of course, means it's time for the Sports Corner. And this week is an interesting week in sports 
as we kind of watch baseball wrap up, football start ramping up, and then hockey get started soon. Like hockey's getting like little pre like planning is happening. Those are October. Um, yes, yeah. uh, as you mentioned, both NBA and NHL report for training camp and OT, uh, OTs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, optional training, optional workouts this week with um, actual reporting. I believe on that October, that yeah. October fourth is when you're supposed to report with um, preseason games, like the following weeks into that as we start those up in November. Yeah. So, so if you're a fan of those two leagues, well, stay tuned. But in the meantime. If you're a football fan, you'll be happy to know that the NFL, uh, you don't have, you were missing a word here. What nominees for what? Oh, Hall of Fame. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, nominee, I missed uh, three letters there, the HOF. 122 former players have been announced for the NFL Hall of Fame 2022 nominees, or at least they're eligible to become nominees. First-year eligible players include such uh, players as Devin Hester, Jake Long, Nick Mangold, Demarcus Ware, Robert Mathis, and Vince Wilfork. Some familiar names in there. Yes. A total of 10 uh, first-time players. Of them, of those that we just mentioned, how many of them do you recognize? I recognize all of them. Oh, you do? Yes. Yes. I've heard of all of those names. All right. Uh, Yeah, I expect Devin Hester and probably Vince Wilfork to be first ballot hall of famers yeah uh everyone else can be second i mean it helps that these names are all from an era where i was still at least watching the occasional football game right not as has not been the case the last like three years but like this is still this is from the era that i was paying attention i guess you could say so right and these are like the big names that you should recognize yeah when i was playing madden i definitely <laughs> i definitely remember seeing a lot of demarcus Ware. oh we'll get to madden later Oh, we will. We will. Meanwhile, in the current season, there are still still some NFL teams that have yet to lose a game. The undefeated teams so far in the season stand as the Raiders, the Broncos, the Panthers, the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Rams, and the Buccaneers. Yep. Of note here, only the Raiders and Broncos are the only the remaining undefeated teams in the AFC. The Rams and the Buccaneers play this Sunday, so at least one of them will remain <laughs> undefeated. Going one of them will be defeated. Unless there's a tie. Nope, you can't have... Oh, yeah, you can have a tie. You can't have a tie now, you remember? Tie. Freaked everybody out, like, what it was that five or six years ago when it happened? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, their of note, <laughs> the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Rams, all in the same division. Right. So they cannot stay undefeated. No, it won't last. It won't last, my friends. Meanwhile, in sports that are not football, we had the Ryder Cup this weekend. Golf. Golf. Yep, Team Golf. Team USA versus Team Great Britain for the Ryder Cup. And then meanwhile, as you mentioned, the NBA is starting to report for training, but one of those players that people may know about is not going to report to his team, the 76ers. Ben Simmons refuses to play for them and wants to be traded. He's demanded. Demanding. He's saying that he, uh, the last talks broke down at the end of August, 
They have not spoken since, and he will not be showing up to training camp. He demands <laughs> out of the 76ers. He yeah. says that he will not play a single game for them, even though they're fining him like $10,000 a day. <laughs> yeah, but he's probably got money to spare. He's just like, no, he's this is uh, meaningful all star. Me. Yeah. Yeah. He's an all star. So he's got the money in there. Fair enough. So the Ben Simmons watch continues. Any other sports news before we move on? It's actually been a slow sports week because, as you said, like baseball is yeah. winding down um, as we get closer and closer to October and the postseason. The final yeah, game we're... for baseball will be not this upcoming Sunday, but the following Sunday, October 3rd. Yeah, for regular, regular for season. Regular play. season baseball. Um, but, but, uh, the wild card picture is getting a little clearer uh, these days. We have more or less what teams seem to be vying for the spot. Right, as more and more teams get eliminated due right. to record. So, yeah, um, we'll see. And Otani home run watch, he hit number 45 last night. Puts him still one behind Vlad Guerrero. Yeah. But even if he ties him, there's, I want to say there's like arguments about who's going to win the MVP because yeah. it should be Otani. Well, so, okay, from my understanding is the thing that's messing people up is that uh, there's other players, Vlad included, that look better in a lot of the other stat areas for in hitting. In terms of batting? Yeah, for yeah, hitting. In terms of batting, Vlad Guerrero is either leading or in second right. in all of the major batting categories. He's going right. to win the batting title this year. So the only question is, is that if voters will like realize the fact that Otani is that good at, at batting and he also pitches. If people realize that it should be an easy vote, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of sticks in the mud who are like, well, these numbers are higher over here. I don't know what you're talking about. It's the same kind of argument you had with um, Miguel Cabrera versus Mike Trout. Uh, Mike mm -hmm. Trout having the better war when yeah. the replacement average, yeah. but Miguel Cabrera had the better average over the season. Yeah. And, the and I think that RBIs as well. It, and I think it really is. It then becomes a conversation of these, of what stats you take more like value in, like with these newer, fancier stats like war or the classic stats in which do you think actually reflects what greatness is in baseball? So. Uh, awards will be coming out next month though. So but yeah, excited to see. <laughs> and, you know, we, it doesn't, we can't do anything about it, but we can at least, uh, talk about it, maybe influencing some people who can. No, but something we can talk about is something that happened on Sunday. All right, let's move out of sports and talk about television then. Thanks for the segue because award season is continuing. Award season, let's be real, never really ends and it never <laughs> really starts. I don't know why we call it that. Uh, but the Emmys, uh, television uh, got its awards night over with on Sunday night. And well, it was a combination of predictable and... Um, yeah, actually, it was pretty predictable. So we didn't have Game of Thrones this year, and we didn't have right. Marvelous Miss Maisel this year. Right. So both left of the wide open for whoever yeah. could fill in that gap. I would say both of the the major categories were up for grabs, but that's not necessarily true because we did have a repeat drama winner this year. But other than that, though, it did give some new players an uh, an opportunity. Uh, so here's the recap. Netflix and HBO had big wins, and Disney only won one Emmy over the course of the night, just for Hamilton for a variety special. 
Meanwhile, Netflix took home 10 awards during the ceremony, with The Crown sweeping the drama categories, including the two lead acting categories, two supporting acting, both writing and directing, and of course, the big prize of drama series. Also, directing and limited series for The Queen's Gambit. HBO, meanwhile, won nine awards between the channel and streaming, with Mayor of Easttown winning both supporting awards for limited series. Last week tonight, for its usual wins in variety writing and series. And Hacks, with three surprise wins for writing, directing, and lead actress in a comedy series. I say surprise because I feel like there were a lot of people going in thinking it was going to be a complete Ted Lasso sweep. And it wasn't. Um, Hacks was kind of your bigger, probably the biggest surprise of the night. Meanwhile, Ted Lasso, the aforementioned Ted Lasso, did not shock anyone when it won comedy series at the end of the night, but also took lead actor Jason Sudeikis, of course, and his famous mustache, and both supporting, uh, you know, supporting, yeah, supporting acting uh, awards as well. Yep. So overall, part predictable, part yeah. surprise, especially when Hacks started winning stuff. Yeah. And kind of disappointment, depending if you were on that Marvel train for both Mandalorian and WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. I think I think ultimately it goes to show that the the Academy they may be open enough to start nominating these properties based on comic books. It's very also telling that the boys also had a like a uh, honorable mention almost feeling nomination yes. for drama series that was never gonna win. So I feel like the, the Academy is maybe giving these shows some air and some representation, but they're not gonna win. It seems very clear after this night that it was like they're just not tradition they're not traditional enough to win these categories. It's the Anakin Skywalker effect. <laughs> we recognize you. Yeah. But you're not gonna be at City You're not gonna do it. Yeah. You're in the room, but sorry. You're you're on the council, <laughs> but you're not gonna get the rank. Right. We're not gonna give the, you the rank you of Emmy Award winning. <laughs> but honestly, I think it was a good win for Ted Lasso. I think much deserved for the season one it had. As for the crown, I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a little bit of an uptick in people talking about that thing the last couple of years with its Emmy wins. But it's still the crown and it doesn't, I don't know. I feel like in a drama field that's so packed right now, it I don't feel like it's special enough to keep winning these awards. Well, it wasn't winning the awards because it went to Game of Thrones. Yes. But now that Game of Thrones isn't there, it fills that void because it's always on the on its heels. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're due for another big upset in the drama category. Maybe something new will pop up next year. Maybe this is us can finally get that win forward that win. <laughs> Who can say? Well, that's it for the Emmys. Uh, next up in news, of course. Oh, last bit of uh, Emmy stuff, though. Yes. Um, congratulations to RuPaul. Yes. I believe that is the most awards for, what was it, Variety? Was it Competition? Com- variety Competition, yeah, or Reality Competition, or one of those. Right, yeah. I, I forget who was like individual. I think it was individual for RuPaul specific for most Emmys for oh. a black person. Wow, I did not know that, but that's very cool. Yeah, uh, that's why I saw. Yeah, because he passed a uh, uh, editor. Ah, that's why. Fair enough. All right, now let's move on. Um, as of course, it's the end of summer, and that means television is going to start creeping back onto TV, and that includes. The seasonal favorite, Saturday Night Live. And we have today some announcements about the first few episodes. Who's going to be your hosts and who's going to be your musical guests? <laughs> All right. 
First of all, uh, spooky show. <laughs> that's, I was trying to do Don Pardo, but yeah, it did come out as Ghost Don Pardo, <laughs> which is fitting because he is dead. Yes, uh, Ghost Don Pardo. <laughs> Ghost Don Pardo. Okay, so October 2nd, your debut of the season will be Owen Wilson and Casey Musgraves as your musical guest. And Sounds that's like a easy way to make me go, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, that will be followed on the 9th by Kim Kardashian West hosting, uh, and you say here, promoting the end of her show slash marriage. <laughs> we'll see. With Halsey. With musical guest Halsey. Yes, even though I have it written as the yes. end of her show slash with Mar- Halsey. With Halsey. <laughs> I wish. Um, then after that, after uh, No Time to Die star Rami Malek as your host with musical guest Young Thug. And the month will end with a homecoming for Jason Sudeikis, of course, from Ted Lasso, and musical guest Brandy Carlisle. There is currently no official word on cast exits and new arrivals, though, so your cast update will have to wait probably until next week. And probably until the week after that, as once the <laughs> casting does get announced, everyone's yeah. going to do background checks, and we may have a situation like we had last year. Right, that too. Uh, but yeah, so Keenan Thompson watch starts now. <laughs> We'll see if he's here for another season or not. Also, Kate McKinnon watch by default. So she'd probably default. be in effect. Yes. Katie Bryant watch? Uh, anyway, <laughs> she's probably fine. Uh, let's move on. We can update let's... watch. Maybe we'll. Oh, God. I wish. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Please. Somebody knew, for God's sake. Uh, I would. I would be, I would start watching the show again. I will <laughs> I vow I will try watching Saturday Night Live again if they replace Call of Jost and Michael Che. It won't happen. I feel like it won't happen in my lifetime, but like when it finally does. They've just been there for so long. I can't do it. Anyway. Well it's not like Mike Richards this. giving himself the job because he's head writer. Right. It, it was. It's a very very true. Anyway, let's stop talking about this and start talking about television that we watched. Or, yeah, we yeah, we watched. I, watched I have TV. one of these. Sh- I watched one of these shows. Oh, but you watched have you wrote them? A whole lot more. Uh, what do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with. Um, yeah, let's go in order. Why not? Yeah, why not? Make it easy. Yeah, make it easy. So, First up, uh, I talked about it last week. I was going to get around to it. Yes. Finally got around to it. Impeachment, the new American crime story brought to you by FX. Right. Falling in the steps of um, O.J. Simpson, people versus O.J. Simpson, and in the assassination of Versace. And no, Zoomers, this is not the impeachment you're thinking of. This is the last time that a president was impeached back before you were born. (laughs) Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the Bill Clinton right. impeachment scandal. Um, notice I said Bill Clinton impeachment and not the yes. Monica Lewinsky. Yes. Even though it right. does kind of curtail she, into following Monica Lewinsky. She is involved, let's say, in the story of how all this went down. Is she responsible for it? Absolutely not. But she's important because of the way the media covered it and the way that the people reacted at the time. And so, yeah, she is a moving part in the puzzle, but it was a much more complicated thing, as I'm sure the television show goes into. 
Yeah, so it's only a couple episodes in right now, and it's, I don't want to say tap water, but it doesn't, <laughs> it's lukewarm with me right now. I don't want to say it sucks, but. <laughs> well, it doesn't suck. It's still good, but yeah. compared to like the previous two that we had, it's yeah. not reaching the levels of, I need to see what happens next I, with them. Here's my question. Is this possibly because this one you lived as opposed to the ones that maybe you didn't necessarily, maybe you were a little too young to really see in the same way? Like when we talk about O.J. Simpson, we were like four when all that went down. We're not really the age where we really understood it. But by the time Bill Clinton is getting impeached, we are eight, nine. And I feel like we had a little bit of more of a grasp of common of, of, of events. Is that maybe why it's a little bit more milk toast for you? Maybe, but also probably because Jay Leno constantly <laughs> used it as a punchline at every second he could. Yeah, for better or for worse. More worse than better. More as worse the years better. went on. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it might also just be the way it's framed because a lot of the colors were very drab, very gray. There's no like bright, unlike Versace, which was bright, it was colorful, it was fashion. It was Miami Beach. And then uh, Trial of O.J. Simpson, which was dark, gritty, mm-hmm. reboot in your face. This is bland, milk toast, gray. And I think that might be where it's going for the, rest, the whole season. In that it's not going to say this was right, this was wrong. Mm-hmm. It's here's everything that we have, everything that we know. Here are the facts. No one's really right in what they did. No one's really wrong in what they did. Which is kind of where Bill Clinton ultimately landed, mm. where it wasn't right at, what he the, did. Time, at the yeah. time. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's unfortunate that it feels like it's painting such like a not a well, yeah, a little bit of a centrist portrait of mm-hmm. what happened. I think that's a little disappointing because I feel like in recent years we have kind of had to reckon with the Clinton presidency in a different way than we had, say, in the 2000s. I feel like when George Bush took office, it was very easy to be like, man, those Clinton years were great, huh? And I feel like with more distance away from them, we're able to look back at that and be like, well, sure, there was a circusy aspect to that impeachment trial, where it definitely felt like maybe, maybe a little unnecessary at the time. But as, as time goes on, we now realize more about Bill Clinton, the man, and maybe some relationships that were a little bit shadier that are coming to light that maybe were not come, uh, to light in, in, back in the day. And so I feel like it's unfortunate in a way that, they're, that it's not maybe taking advantage of reassessing the story with, the, with 2021 eyes as much as it could, I guess is what it sounds like. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't excite me for some reason. Yeah. I think you might be right on that, that it is something that we did kind of live through in more or less recent history. Then again, if yeah. they went their original route, which was Hurricane Katrina, that would have been even more even recent. More recent. And that's the risk I think you're taking with these things, is that the more recent you're going to get, the less exciting it's going to be, because nostalgia won't be a factor. Mm-hmm. It will be less about nostalgia and more about like okay, yeah, no, I live this. I don't know. This is just what happened. And if the acting is not up to the amazing levels that we saw in the previous ones, then it's nothing really to report about. 
And so it sounds like if it was amazing that you would have talked about it by now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I would have led with the acting was great, but no. Who is Bill Clinton in this? Uh, Clive Owen. Okay. Sure. And it's a good impression. Yeah, yeah. Edie Falco plays Hillary. Okay, sure. I like Edie Falco. That's good casting. Like That's good casting. Good casting, yeah. And just think in an alternate universe uh, where he didn't pass away, we could have had Phil Hartman do his Clinton. That would have been great. Anyway. <laughs> would have been the actual age appropriate then. We can dream. Yep. Anyways. Anyways, yeah, it just seems ordinary. Yeah, that's, a, that's disappointing. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, what else did we watch here? Uh, let's, let's save this one for last because it's new. And let's okay. go to uh, here, real quick. Um, yes. I brought I brought it up off podcast <laughs> because I was surprised by it, and yet here it is in my face. Probably missed it because I went on vacation, <laughs> but now it's in my rotation. Yes, Circle season three. I am surprised because we had season two earlier this year. Right. I thought we'll have to wait a whole another year. Yeah. Netflix says no, no, no. We want you subscribed. So here it is, Circle Season 3. Yep. Not a whole lot of catfishing this time, but still is hilarious. And because it's Netflix, and because they keep everyone separate, kind of isolated from each other, they continue to bend and break their own rules. Mm -hmm. The one rule they have is that there are no rules. They will literally do anything they, they want to, executive producer style. Yeah. Playing God mode to the Sims. Mm-hmm. So Christy said something. Christy's also watching us because, of course, she loves the circle just like you do. And yeah, she and she said something interesting that she's noticed about kind of the evolution of the show over the last couple seasons is that you're right. They are kind of introducing rules willy nilly and just like making the thing whatever they want. And she thinks that's to the show's detriment. She's actually less high on it than she was in that first season because they keep messing with the format. And so, yeah, she was, and after season one, she was, she wanted to be on the show. She was like all gung-ho about like, I'm going to try out for this as soon as they have uh, uh, tryouts. But like, now she's like, I wouldn't want to be on the show because of how complicated it's gotten. And like, she just thinks it's less fun with the more complicated that it gets. She pointed out with this season specifically with the thing that they're doing, uh, I'll try to explained what she had explained to me and you can correct me if I'm wrong but she was like so at some point there was a person who was eliminated but they're still being played by another player mm-hmm. and so the, to the effect that because the at one point there were two and the, they had to guess which one was the real one yes and the other the other rooms uh, rooms in the circle the other players in the circle actually voted out the real one and so the fake one is still play yep i know what you're talking about it just when you start getting that deep into the in, into the the meta here like it becomes so complicated that i feel like a lot of people are just like wait what well, that's why part of <laughs> me saying that they play fast and loose and it's executive yeah. producer playing God because they want they want to keep the interesting people in the circle. They want to keep the fun, outlandish, boisterous people. And if they yeah. get eliminated, 
well, you got to think on your feet. How can I immediately bring these people back in? <laughs> right. Because right. they're the ones who caused the drama. It's a kind of unfortunate, though, in a way, because I feel like I feel like Christie's on to something with it losing a little bit of what it had in the first season. Because I remember back when we talked about the first season, the first season of The Circle is really interesting because it's almost a commentary on social media more mm-hmm. than it is a commentary on reality shows. But it's turned but, into competition than yeah, the commentary. More, the more complicated they get it, that commentary kind of goes away. And it's like it becomes less about what social media does to these relationships and more about what a reality, what length the reality show will go to to make things interesting. <laughs> it's, I mean, it only took them three seasons, but they went the hard knocks route. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. They, Less about what the original purpose was intended for. Yeah. And more into what's going to get you to watch every week. They're trying to be crowd-pleasing to an extent that may be not in its best interest. But I don't know. People are still watching it, so maybe it works. I mean, yeah, some people are still watching it. Case in point. <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, right. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to wait for season four. But if there is no, I want to say safe routine, but <laughs> common, either common games that they play, common competition style, or even some goddamn concrete rules, <laughs> it could just be whatever it wants. It's just going to be like, blah. I, I don't yeah. care anymore. You're just going to keep messing with me every week. <laughs> Right. It's double-edged sword. It's going to keep you interested because you don't know what's going to happen. But then people eventually do want that kind of rote tribe. That's why Survivors lasted 30-plus years. Or 30-plus yeah. seasons, not years. Yeah, people yeah. do like formulas. So, yeah. all right. What else? What else we got? Uh, you watch something because I watched two stuff, um, new stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I hadn't been watching the show and then I decided to, on a whim, start it. Well, actually not on a whim, on a recommendation by a friend of a friend. I decided to give it a try and it was good timing because turns out that uh, there was a brand new season that had deba- debuted in June on HBO Max. And that is the Cartoon Network Studios production, Summer Camp Island. So this show actually debuted on Cartoon Network back in 2018. So it's a relatively new show for them. But after one season on actual cable, they moved the rest of it to HBO Max. And it's been on HBO Max exclusive since late 2019. And they've uh, put out four seasons of it uh, so far, the fourth most recent being in June and a fifth coming later this year. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty great. I really enjoyed my time with Summer Camp Island. I think that if you're a fan of things like Steven Universe, um, and um, the Cartoon Network style uh, Adventure Time and its more gentle moments. Um, Summer Camp Island just fits right into that mold and is a lot, is, is, it does a lot of really cool things with its universe. And I said gentler side on purpose because it's not, at, it doesn't go to, it's not an action show per se. It's not, it doesn't go to the lengths I think that Steven Universe and Adventure Time go to with like stakes and with drama it's a much more low-key version of that kind of show which i think works in its favor it makes it a little bit more kid-friendly 
it definitely seems like it's aimed towards a slightly younger demographic. But that doesn't keep it from pulling its punches about themes, though. It definitely does have episodes that delve into things like mental health, to relationships, to, to uh, familial um, relationships, um, in surprisingly deep ways. And um, has a lot of fun and imaginative takes on those kind of deeper subjects. Um, they've gone a little bit more experimental as the show's gone on, on as well. Uh, season three actually was kind of di divided in kind of, I guess, with the freedom of HBO Max, was divided into little vignettes about side characters, which was neat. And with like three to four part ep like episode arcs that let you kind of see like whatever, what this character is doing for a while. Or a little backstory on the lore of the, of the island and stuff like that which is cool. And, and I didn't necessarily anticipate it judging by the template they laid out with the first season. And then season four has gotten a little bit experimental with animation as well, uh, kind of debuting with a claymation version of the, of, of the uh, a style uh, episode, which is a really neat idea. And again, the freedom of being on a streaming network probably allows them to play around with these ideas more so than if they had remained on, on Cartoon Network proper. So I think it's a good time. It's all on HBO Max. It's very digestible. They're 11 minutes each and seasons two through four are not as long as season one, which was a proper production season for cable. And so it doesn't take very long to get through all of it. And I think it's worthwhile. So if you like Cartoon Network stuff recently and you want to see something in that style, Summer Camp Island is a lot of fun. I recommend it. But how's the lore? So season one does not give you a peek really at all into what they eventually do with it if you're looking for a star amphibia style oh all of a sudden shit get re gets real in season two you never have that moment with summer camp island it's a slow drip approach instead it's more like it almost feels like instead of being like oh all of a sudden this is a lore show instead you realize like by the time you finish season two oh i guess there is some lore in this show it sneaks up on you in a way that surprised me and I think makes sense uh, in the that in that it's a gentler show with not a whole lot of stakes to it. So a bit There's, like Adventure Time? But even less stakes than Adventure even Time, though. Okay. Like where it's like, yes, there's a backstory to this world. Does it really matter? No. Yes, there's an end goal, I guess, that the characters have, but there's no ticking clock on it. So the show isn't doesn't seem like it cares as much about that ticking like about that end goal as much as these other shows do. So if you're going in expecting a lot of lore, if you're going in expecting this to be the owl house, you're gonna be disappointed, I guess is what I'll say. But if you want something that's a little gentler and a little just chill vibesy, you're I think that it's more of that kind of thing. Okay, uh, something you said jogged my memory to something that I did watch. <laughs> uh -huh. And we haven't talked about. Okay. Uh, Which means I need to make was, another caption. Yeah, well, and well, what you said uh, was talking about lore. I'm like, does yes. it really matter? Right. Like, if the show doesn't want you to care about the lore, does the lore yeah. really matter? <laughs> right. And that reminded me, like, oh, wait. That's exactly what I just watched in Rick and Morty season five. Oh, yeah, I see. Okay. 
because the show doesn't want you to care about the lore, but the fans want lore. The fans want backstory. The fans want continuity. So season five comes to a head, pun intended if you've seen the show, (laughs) of ultimately hitting the reset button. It it gives what the fans want, and here's all your lore, here's your backstory. You wanted it so bad, we're just going to give it to you. But then we're going to break the universe and say, hey, (laughs) now you don't know what we're going to do. Now we can be, go back to what we want the show, wanted the show to be, which was absolute chaos, whatever we want on a yeah. week on a week by week basis, without the lore. Yeah. You guys want your lore, we're giving it to you. But now let us go back to doing what we want, which is absolute chaos. And of course, that sounds very Dan Harmon because this isn't the first time he's had a show that actively disliked its fan base you can look at community as an example of this where it's like you can see the text battling with the meta text constantly or it's like this push and pull about what the fans want from it and what the creators actually want to write about right i mean cartoon network not cartoon network adult swim did give them 88 (laughs) episodes to work with and we've only gone through 20 of them (laughs) since that deal was made. Right. Uh, yeah, so that was at end of season three. So yeah, 10 episodes each. Yeah, so there's still like 60 episodes, 50, 60 episodes for them to expand on whatever crazy ideas that they want, that they have in mind, that they want to do. But they needed a way to absolutely break from the mold of what they had. And that's more or less what this season did. Mm-hmm. It gave the fans what they wanted. It gave the new stuff. It let it be chaotic. And then at the end, it just pulled Rick Sanchez, gave a little bit F you to all the fans and say, we're going to do what we wanted to do. Yeah. You got your, your, eat your cake in the corner with this season. Now let us go like run a kitchen here. Right. And you know what? Like, I feel like one of the, one of the negatives of the social media kind of echo chamber that we've, like entered into like this generation of like how people watch tv one of the negatives is is that the creators are constantly hearing feedback it's constantly being like they're constantly looking at their 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 piece of uh, media being ripped to shreds constantly evaluated and it's in front of them and they can't avoid it it's because yeah that, but the twitter gives the creators an equal medium to right. respond immediately or as immediate as the creators want to criticism or critique and so yeah and so like it kind of takes away the ability for creators to make the thing they want to make because it's always going to have it's always going to have been touched in a way and this can't be really prevented anymore it will always be touched by the reception of what came before it yeah exactly and so yeah and so yeah i don't blame them for being in a position where like actually no that's not the show we want to make this is the show we want to make and we, we're going to make it regardless of what you say. And you're either coming with us or not. I feel like there's also, there's also a conversation to be had when about Ted Lasso, too, with this kind of realm that we unfortunately have to punt to the end of the season, which will be, what, like three more weeks, I think? No, I think it's the, uh, this upcoming Friday is the last episode. Really? I think that there's more than 10 this time. I think oh, there's more than 10? I think they might be doing 13. 
Um, ten is this upcoming week, so we'll know because they'll say like preview for. Tomorrow. But yeah, is it, so yeah, it's an unfortunate side effect of this social media generation where we can't just have the creators have their own vision. It has to be all. It's always, no matter what, going to be affected by the reaction to previous episodes, which is yeah, which is kind of unfortunate. But you know, all power to creators who are able to work around that in the ways that they can. Yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, there's an 11th episode of Ted Lasso, so it will continue. Yeah, so it will continue. <laughs> All right. What else have you been watching? Uh, what else have I been watching? Uh, something that came today, actually, dropped today. Oh. You can watch it on Disney Plus. Right. It's Disney Plus Wednesday. Yep. Disney Plus Wednesday. So, new thing dropped. It was Star Wars colon Visions. Oh, you mean the star, the Star Wars anime? The yeah, the Anna, the Anna's Wars, the Anna's, the Stiana Wars. I can't do it. It works for the Matrix. I don't know why I can't do it with Star Wars. The Anna Matrix is what you want. Uh, yeah, it's not as easy, I guess. Stana Wars. <laughs> All right, how was the Stana Uh It's anime up the wazoo yeah but also a good cultural kind of experience of there's no such one thing categorization of anime and what anime is mm-hmm. it's part astro voice part dragon ball z it's part attack on Titan. it's part samurai lots of samurais by the way part mech part like friendship part superheroes part racing it's it could be wherever part band. It can be whatever you want. Anime is not beholden to one specific medium. Mm-hmm. And that kind of what makes it interesting because you have these very different studios in different art styles telling their own stories. Mm-hmm. And they're all stories set within the Star Wars universe. None of it canon though. Right. But running with the tagline. I've got a bad feeling. I got a bad feeling about this. Classic Star Wars line. Right. So a lot of the shots, a lot of what's drawn in there harkens back to the films, whether it's the original trilogy, the prequels, or the sequels. There's a lot of nostalgia where you can point to a scene and say, hey, that's from here. Or hey, that's that's paying homage to this scene. That's paying homage to this actor. Or that's paying homage to this set piece or this theme or this score or something within the Star Wars universe that that beats back into their own creations. Mm-hmm. And it's fun and it's exciting and there's such a variety that there's literally something in here for everybody. Hell, the Ooh. first episode starts off like an uh, Akira Kawasaki film. Just Absolute samurai mystique badassery. Mm-hmm. But what did I say? Akira Kurosawa? Did I say that right? <laughs> Kurosawa. Kurosawa. I think is what you were trying to say. <laughs> Sorry, I just run like 500. Kurosawa is like the, the, the liqueur. <laughs> yes, Kurosawa is the liqueur. <laughs> the blue liqueur. <laughs> Although, if you were making up a, a fake, like a fake director name, Akira Kurosawa is not bad. <laughs> Anyway. Anyways, yeah, it's 
fun. It's interesting. I have a feeling that a lot of people aren't going to, I don't want to say understand it, but appreciate the level of detail that goes sure. into some of these because you may need to be like a student either of film or of anime to fully appreciate the absolute level of details these mm. creators are going into this thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it has a similar arc to it as did the Animatrix, which at the time was a little too niche, I think, where like not that many people understood what they were going for or the creators involved in it. Years later, now we're able to look back and be like, oh, this studio ended up doing this really famous anime. This studio did this. It was like these important people like like working on this thing. It's just that society as a whole was not quite ready for anime in that way when that thing came out in the way we are now. So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's definitely got that similar vibe to it. It's also really short. They yeah. don't run over 15 minutes. I think that might have been part of the criteria in it. But they're all shorts. So you can run through them That's in cool. the afternoon. You can run through them in like three hours. There's 11 in total. Yeah. 15 minutes tops for each of them. Yeah, that's turned out to be a surprising would, strength. I would suggest not binge watching all of them because mm-hmm. a lot of the themes can run together. Especially when it seems like every time you start a new episode, oh, we're not following New Jedi or New Sith. When mm-hmm. like Star Wars lore is, there's only there are only two Sith, and depending on where you are in the timeline, may or may not be that many Jedi available. Right. So it is um, its own story, though. It's not canon, but it's definitely high production value for the studio. And just yeah. goes to show you the kind of storytelling that can be created outside of the grasp of Star Wars Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. And hell, Dave Filoni right over there doing yeah. his own thing. But yeah, there's um, a lot of creators who grew up. Go ahead, you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say it's like it's been a surprising strength of Disney Plus with the, the amount of shorts that they have. They're big on shorts. Like they have the Pixar shorts constantly. They've had the Simpsons shorts. Like now this, it's like they're very good with, ironically enough, in a post-Quibi world, they're very good with snackable content. It, I mean, yeah, it's weird, the post-Quibi world. I mean, maybe like five years from now, we'll be like, hey, Quibi, you were way before your time. <laughs> yeah. But they're fun. It gives like directors and creatives an outlet that they normally wouldn't have and the studio name like Disney behind them. Mm-hmm. It's good for creatives. And that's what this is ultimately. It's good creative juices good creatives in the industry right okay cool yeah um like i said most of them do revolve around jedi and sith kind of battling except for one which oddly enough had to be the one that i really liked Mm. and you might like it too because it involves (laughs) a band yeah i may i may check it out i've got some other stuff to to watch still but yeah maybe Maybe this is the thing that actually gets me to watch a Disney Plus thing again. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I keep watching stuff for you, trying to get you to, to watch it. 
Yeah, well, you haven't been selling me on a lot of this. So. Uh, I'll sell you on this, though. Disney did announce uh, November 12th will be its Disney Plus Day, and that's when Shang-Chi will come to Disney Plus. Yes, and that's when I will watch it. <laughs> uh, also, Jungle Cruise will also come to Disney Plus that day as well. Okay. You may watch that's that when well. I will not watch that. <laughs> Double feature. Yeah. All right. All right. One last show that you want to talk about here. One last show. Um, as I alluded to last week, because we are at the end of the Emmys, it means the start of new TV season. And with the start of new TV season comes start of new TV shows. Yes. FBI International. Real briefly, if you like FBI yes. Most Wanted, it's the exact same thing on CBS, except that going international, or at least as good as it is international, as the backlog can sell it. Because <laughs> you know they ain't going on planes. Oh yeah. So that's on CBS. That's the new series, well, spin-off from CBS. Um, I will be watching The Wonder Years, which premieres tonight. Probably the one show I am actually looking forward to the most out of anything coming out this season. Mm-hmm. Or at least any new pilots coming out this season. Um, I will have my thoughts on that tomorrow. As as of right now, it has not aired, but I did look at the timestamp. Not going to be an hour show. It's going to be a half hour show. So I might like that even more than like having to invest a full hour, just a half hour show. Yeah. But circling back, the reason I bring all this up is because I watched one show that did premiere on Monday. I'm here to talk about it Ordinary Joe. Do you like This Is Us? <laughs> it's fine. I don't know. You like it. Did you like Young Rock? I mean, I didn't. <laughs> well, what if we had the storytelling of This Is Us with the three timelines of Young Rock? You get Ordinary Joe. Ooh, okay. So this so the whole series takes place in current day, but 10 years ago, 2011, uh, a single man from Syracuse changed the course of history, or changed the course of his history when he chose different paths come graduation day. Did he go see his longtime girlfriend or wannabe girlfriend, a longtime friend, to the beach house? Did yeah. he Go get the number of the new girl he just met that day. Or does he go with his family, go celebrate with his family and follow the family route? Mm -hmm. And it more, it follows like the overarching arc, like 10 years in the future of how those three different paths played out. And it does kind of a fun thing where if something happens in one timeline, you'll see kind of like the opposite effect of, oh, what if he wasn't there? Like, how would it play out in a different timeline? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, and that's more or less the gimmick of the show, which is, oh, like this happened here, but it happened differently here, or we got different information here in this one. Uh, but where it loses me is in its color, its color scheme. Hmm. It loves its saturation. 
Um, it loves playing with the colors of red, green, and blue. It's easy to tell where you are, like who you're following, but it you're gonna get such whiplash, much like from that uh, first episode of Young Rock, where you're like, wait, I'm just I was following this character, <laughs> and now I'm over here at this character, and now I'm over here at yeah. this character. Uh, it it'll be interesting to see like if they just stick with one character for one episode or one version for one episode. But I have a feeling they won't because it's an hour-long show. And yeah. so it's you kind of have to bounce around and see how the different scenarios play out. Otherwise, you're going to either lose or forget between episodes. Like, oh, remember like two episodes ago where he did this and that happened? Well, he didn't do it then, so now here's the other aspect of that happening and playing out. It's Really fascinating hearing this, like as a premise for a television show, in light of the video game industries being so debate like dominated by time loop games recently. Yes. So I've been listening to a lot of premises of time loop video games. This almost sounds like you're describing one of those because it's like, oh well, if you did this in this timeline, this doesn't happen in this timeline, and I'm just like, is there, is this a roguelite television show? Like, what is happening <laughs> to my brain? Well, it's not a time loop, but following no. the part in the phrase from Disney, what if scenario. Yeah. Still it, weird. <laughs> I'll watch two more episodes because I'll give everything three <laughs> episode shot. Yeah. But if it gets if it stays this chaotic and keeps happening, <laughs> I may just easily jump off this and just stick with this mm-hmm. as that's what it re premieres again right oh quickly speaking of re-premieres uh 911 premiered again on monday to a blackout episode because shooting in the dark is always cheaper always especially when you got to pay your actors that uh, lump sum of money that we talked about (laughs) (laughs) uh save for the lights off uh but it's interesting uh it kind of falling into the same trap of zoe's infinite or Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist of sure, you can do whatever you want here, but at the end of the day, you gotta make me care for the characters and your lead character has to sell it to make me like him in all three scenarios. Doesn't quite do that. He, He seems very bland. Seems very ordinary, you could say. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of give the like little glimpse of in the what if of oh which one's the happier version that turned out for him this 10 years later mm-hmm. like is he happier in this timeline or maybe he's happier in this timeline oh but what if he's happier in this timeline because he has this going on oh but he has this going on so it makes him happier here oh but it's this and this happier so it's you're, you're crossing too many it's less oh which one is like the real timeline and more how would these scenarios play out 10 years later right because funny enough 10 years down the line the same people you met just happened to all cross paths at the exact same point in time (laughs) what a coincidence that kind of reminds me of like when later later simpsons 
seasons, they all of a sudden decided, oh, yeah, no, it's accepted now that Homer went to high school with Mo and Carl and all of them are like friends from way back when, even though that was not originally the case. It reminds me of that, where it's like, for writing purposes, if we want to have a flashback, let's have all of our friends, when it doesn't make any sense for them to be the same age. Yeah, so, you know, so yes, the writers have fun with that stuff. Yeah. Um, Other shows I will be at least watching the first episode of this upcoming season include La Brea, Alter Ego, as I said, The Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. And then whatever that new CBS comedy... Oh, Ghost. That's what it was. Nice. CBS, I assume it's comedy, called Ghost. It was... Uh-huh. It, I saw the preview like at the end of the Emmys. I was like, oh, you got me. I'll wait for mm-hmm. it. I'll, I'll be watching it. All right. Anything else? Uh, I didn't watch anything else. Um, still, like I said, we're still trekking on um, Ted Lasso. So, yeah, I'm kind of just holding pattern until that's done. All right. Uh, yeah, like I said, we'll give full thoughts on Ted Lasso when it arrives. But FYI, this past episode, probably the hilarious one of the season yet. I mean, it was sure definitely the weirdest one of the season. They uh, broke the mold, but yes. <laughs> taking some big swings and I think that a lot of people are getting lost and maybe are not yeah I feel like are maybe like whenever you have to have the filler episode conversation mm-hmm. it's painful and I feel like and okay to be clear I put square quotes around filler episode I don't think they're filler episodes but there's a portion of the internet who seems to disagree with me and so, yeah, like as soon as that conversation happens again, then maybe you're, you're treading dangerous ground with your television se- season. So it'll be really interesting how they wrap everything up. Right. You know, how dare they have an episode without Ted Lasso when the show's called Ted Lasso? Yeah. How dare they? How dare they? <laughs> All right. Anyways. Let's move on. Uh, next up, cancellations and renewals, of course. All right. What am I no longer watching? Well, you're still watching Virgin River on Netflix as they've upgraded that two more seasons, bringing it to a total of five. Also on Netflix, Hit and Run has been canceled after just one season. Guess they hit and ran. They hit and quit, it sounds like. Ooh. Paramount Plus. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paramount Plus is bringing back the reboot of Rugrats for a second season. As I didn't even realize. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was coming up soon, but I guess it is. Yeah, I think it's the end of September here. It's coming up either September or October. Makes sense. A few deaths uh, to talk about real quickly. George Holiday, age 61, videographer of the attack on Rodney King. So the person who caught that footage yep, that we all saw. The footage seen around the world mm-hmm. and sparked the Rodney King riot and mm-hmm. police reform and O.J. Simpson trial. We also had Anthony Johnson, age 55. Actor, was in House Party, Friday, and Menace to Society. Uh, actor slash comedian. Okay. Yep. Then we also had Willie Garson, age 57. An actor, was in Sex in the City, and White Collar. Collar. White Collar. Yep. I feel like he was a divide amongst the sexes, because my wife knew him from Sex in the City. I mm-hmm. knew him from White Collar. 
Yeah, well, there you go. Well, still fairly young, uh, all three uh, this week. So uh, sad uh, to see him go. Uh, he was supposedly filming the uh, Sex in the City sequel. Hmm. Or uh, whatever it's going to be on HBO Max. The reboot thing that they're doing, reboot, yes. Whatever they're doing. Yeah. Mm, okay. Anyway, that brings us to the second half of the show. It's time to talk about music, and I believe it's your turn. Uh, we always start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. And so long, Drake. You can't run it twice. I'm sorry, you can't run it back. Well, uh, he's still here, just less of him. Yes, but when your number one is Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber, he didn't run it back. <laughs> no. Which means last week's number one drops to number two, Way Too Sexy at number two, which is Drake featuring Future and SNL musical guest Young Thug. <laughs> at three, Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. Coming in at number four, Knife Talk by Drake featuring 21 Savage and Project Pat. And rounding out your top five, Fancy Like by Walker Hayes. Yeah. What is that? I don't know what that is. Walker Hayes almost sounds like a country guy. Yes, that's why I'm like, okay, yeah. Walker Hayes. I have to look him up, I guess, and see what's what's his deal. Maybe. All right. Uh, moving on to the uh, Billboard 200, your albums chart. There, Drake can celebrate because he's once again number one, certified lover boy. Congratulations on back to back weeks. At number two, Donda by Kanye West. Coming in at number three, Star Crossed by Casey Musgraves. Yeah, I just want to briefly point out that unfortunately, Donda only beat uh, Star Crossed by about 2,000 sales. So it was a very, very close battle for number two there. Casey almost had it. I mean, it wasn't going to come close to Drake, though. Right. So close. At number four, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. And rounding out your top five, The Melodic Blue by Baby Keen. Baby Keen? (laughs) Another baby. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. We do. Um, oh, real quickly, Walker Hayes, I think, is uh, for Fancy Like. It's that Applebee's song. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, I had seen that Applebee's commercial, and I was like, is this an existing song? Apparently so. It's uh, by Walker so it Hayes. Is. Okay. Weird. Okay, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, once again, uh, commercials and TikTok creep into the top five. But we have new releases to talk about. We do. Well, in the meantime, is the name of the album, In the Meantime, by <laughs> Alessia Cara. Yeah, that Alessia Cara. Alessia Cara. Then why? Life Forms by Angels and Airwaves. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere middle school me is like jumping for joy right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> all you Angels and Airwaves heads. Mm. Uh, we also have plus dash minus by Boys Noise. <laughs> I believe this is plus or minus. Yeah, plus slash minus. 
which is yeah, typically plus or minus. <laughs> uh, there's also Songwrites Apothecary Lab by Esperanza Spalding. I believe that is a voice winner, Esperanza Spalding. Uh, or is it? She might not. She might predate the voice. I want to say she's. Voice or is it American Idol? Mm, I don't know if she came out of the reality show machine, but I, I could be wrong. She did. I don't know. I just associate her with Grammys because I believe she's won one. But okay. I don't know. All right. Uh, we also have. Da, 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 da. And then Life Was Beautiful by now. <laughs> NAO now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Flux by Poppy. Bright Magic by Public Service Broadcasting. Distant Populations by Quicksand. A Beginner's Mind by Susan Stevens and Angelo de Augustine. Leaving Done But Small Birds by The Body and Biggie Brave. <laughs> And lastly, for <laughs> someone, <laughs> and I really mean one person out there, <laughs> Bill by Bill Shatner. <laughs> yes. And yes. That William that Shatner. William Shatner. Yes. <laughs> the self titled album, Bill. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into some music news then. And we start with TV news or movie news or music news. It crosses all <laughs> boundaries because a yeah. Netflix documentary about Britney Spears is one step closer as a trailer has been teased for Britney versus Spears in that 18 second clip. Uh, Spears is heard leaving a message for an attorney in 2009. The trailer dropped today, mm-hmm. and the doc itself will be next week on the 28th. That's uh, next Tuesday, September 28th, which is, oddly enough, ahead of Spears' next court date, the 29th. The documentary is being directed by Aaron Lee Carr and has been underway for more than a year. Netflix had declined Variety's request for comment on the project and representatives for Aaron Lee Carr did not immediately respond. The Netflix docs is said to center around Spears' highly unusual conservatorship and will feature key figures in Spears' orbit. It is unclear, though highly unlikely, that Spears herself will appear in the project, given how closely guarded she has been from media opportunities throughout the course of conservatorship. Also of note from Britney Spears, since we didn't talk about it when it happened, she's engaged. Yes, that was also news from last week. Um, but yeah, this is interesting because this will be a good compare a comparison to that... Uh, New York Times, talk. yeah, produced document docu- documentary. Documentary. It'll uh, be a good comparison to make, like 
did they get different sources? Did they talk to different people? Like, did they did they corroborate the same information? Is there going to be some crossover? Also, the more recent stuff that's been happening will probably be involved in this, uh, depending on how close to the wire they ended up producing this. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting uh, to have kind of another uh, version of this story, uh, especially so close to when it seems like it might be wrapping up. I mean, it is odd. I'll put yeah. out there, conspiracy hat on, that they're releasing this the day before she goes <laughs> to court. <laughs> yeah. Hoping to get, like, one, that Twitter hashtag trending to mm-hmm. get people to watch it, and yeah. two, to get the media behind it. It definitely feels like a strike while the iron is hot move. For sure. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say that it's a ploy, <laughs> but Tinfoil Hatney says it's a ploy. <laughs> we try not to listen to Tinfoil Hatney no. that often. Try not to. You know, because even. That tinfoil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Looks bad on broken you, you know. clock is wrong twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> more than that wait was it no a broken even a broken clock doesn't work on mars that's what it is <laughs> yes that's that's the same that's the same <laughs> anyway. right, uh, so yeah britney spears will be in court next week and we will have more on whatever comes from that hopefully something solid as britney watch continues and slowly but surely creeping up to be our story of the year for music. Yeah, it sounds like it. Kind of has to be. (laughs) Something we uh, won't be talking about for very long (laughs) is R.E.M. Yeah. Uh, Not because one of their members died, but because they're probably not going to be getting together at least in the next 10 years. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I miss something? Did a member of R.E.M. die? No. But Michael Steep is kind of dead to the to the band. Michael Stipe. <laughs> Michael Stipe. No, he's not. They still get along. Anyways, read the story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Stipe doesn't have encouraging news when it comes to ever seeing the rock band together ever again. In a new interview for New York Public Radio Station, WNYC, Stipe was clear about his take on the future, or rather lack thereof. Quote, we will never reunite. Uh, As he said to the radio station, quote, all of it with Allison Stewart uh, featured Stipe on its September 21st episode, which happened to coincide with the 10th anniversary of R.E.M.'s breakup on September 21st, 2011. Why not take the route so many bands of your have chosen, from Kiss to Pavement to Swedish House Mafia? Uh, Stipe told Allison Stewart, quote, We decided when we split up that that would be really tacky and probably money-grabbing, which might be the impetus for a lot of bands to get back together. We don't really need that. And I'm really happy that we have a legacy of 32 years of work that we have from 1980 to 2011. Yeah, I think 
I included the story because it's kind of unique in the era that we live in right now of so many reboots of everything and so many nostalgia grabs and these artists that should be should have stopped touring years ago still going for some reason and so it's actually kind of a breath of fresh air to hear Michael Stipe be like yeah we don't need it we're not interested in it we don't need to do that again we did it we had a long fruitful career there was a time for it and now we're done and I think that that's that's good I think that artists should be able to say I'm done and not be pressured to come back Right. I mean, you don't need bands from the 90s doing like lawn concerts for people to go see. I mean, yeah, you just would feel stale and unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, who would it even be for? The band? The yeah, fans? The kids? I, I mean, <laughs> the there's a version of me that, yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, there is a version of me, and I'm sure a lot of these people are out there. There's a version of me that would be thrilled to be able to see REM because I wasn't able to see them uh, when they were touring. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that would have been pretty cool. But again, I'd like to live in a world where artists have the choice and don't feel like it's a necessary thing to do everything over again when they're much older than they were back when they were getting into a van and touring. It's different when you get older and it's yeah I don't know it just does it I I support his decision and the band's decision to just be like you know what not for us no it's not to say they'll never play together again I'd say like a Grammy stage or like a tribute concert yeah but probably not is what it sounds like (laughs) yeah I mean he's saying no to touring not no to like one-offs right because like there's can always be a benefit concert uh, like the COVID benefit in like New York and LA that hey maybe if you want to join for a day and see them live one chance mm-hmm. but you're right it does seem like that if you want to listen to REM look at their catalog mm-hmm. go buy a record player and if you haven't then you should because they're really good <laughs> so there you go Here's my PSA. Yep. All right. Uh, so with that, let's get into some music thoughts, shall we? And yeah. I listened to an album. Did you listen to this album? I also listened to this. Um, I would type this, hope, hoping that you also listen to this. So of course, the big release of last week was none other than the debut full-length album by Lil Nas X, Montero, named after his birth name, of course, of Montero. Um, and yeah, it's out, it's, uh, it exists, it's real, and, uh, it's pretty much what I thought it was going to be. (laughs) It's poppy. It's, yeah, it's a poppy rap album, uh, with occasional moments of genre experimentation, but not a whole lot, not enough to drown it out. This is not... You know, this is not the big swing like Halsey made. This is not the, um, you know, John Rowe roulette that Olivia Rodrigo's record was either. This is more Lil Nas X being like, no, I'm a rapper, but I'm going to rap out things that a lot of rappers don't rap about. I'm going to rap about specifically his sexuality, uh, about what it means to be gay in hip hop. He's going to rap about like personal stories about his upbringing, about his reaction to his fame, about about the feelings he get as a he gets as a performer, 
about whether he thinks he's doing a great job or whether he has doubts about his career sometimes. And it all comes across as really genuine. It all comes across as as really, as 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 yeah, as is really solid. I think it's a really solid debut. Um, do I love love it? Yeah, maybe not. But it's maybe not for me. But I came out of it being like, this is a really strong statement for an artist to put out as their first full length. And I think it does a good job of stating, I'm not a one hit wonder. I've proven this over and over again at this point. I'm an interesting artist that's trying different things. And it works on that level. And I think that it's a really solid record. Yeah, it's got funky beats. A lot of funky beats. It's well produced. Yeah, Yeah. Um, yes. That's one thing I can definitely say for this. Um, outside of uh, the lead song on this, both Industry Baby and That's What I Want are ear jams. I mm-hmm. love listening to them. I immediately hit repeat on both of them because they were that good. The rest of the album, mileage may vary, but it is Lil Nas X, as you said, establishing itself as a rapper mm-hmm. in the rapping game. Yeah, I mean, it just proves that he's ha- he has staying power, if anything. This proves that we're going to see a lot of him, uh, as opposed to just the occasional single. It's like, no, he's going to make this a career. He's going to be successful. And um, that's cool. In fact, uh, the Grammys moment that he had, uh, not Grammys, sorry, um, the VMAs moment he had a couple of weeks ago, I think is going to, like, is going to be kind of a symbol of where he's at in his career right now, which is like, He's going to, he's out there, he's out there in front of everybody being like, I'm different than everybody else in this field. I'm going to stand out. I'm going to do things and rap about things that nobody else is doing. He's carved out his own niche. He's carved out his place in the industry in a really unique way that we haven't seen in a very long time. And so it's cool. It's cool to be in this moment, to have an artist like this in this moment. But like I said, is this going to be Grammy nominated? Eh, maybe. Uh, but is it going to win? Maybe not. Is it a top five record of the year? No, I don't think it is. But I think for a lot of people that have been waiting for an artist like Lil Nas X to make a statement like this, this is going to be treasured by these people. And they're going to hold on to this and be like, this is the artist I've been waiting for to represent me, who I am, my identity, my relationship with the world. And on that level, I think it is seminal in that moment, like for that reason. I think, yeah, he's going to be looked at as a voice of a generation, I think, in the same way that we talked about Billie Eilish, that we're talking about Olivia Rodrigo. I think those are the three right now in this kind of in that age bracket to watch, because I think that, yeah, they're 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 going to, t- to be the next step in the in the journey that pop music takes in the next 10 years. Uh, let's put them on the, the Grammy Mountain because in Highlander, then <laughs> there can only be one. Well, no, no, no. More than they one. can There's all room up there. They can all coexist. Each in their own unique category, right? Yeah. Except there's only one Grammy each year, so. Oh, um. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. Did you say yeah, anything that's... else? No, I just listened to Starcrossed a couple more times. Oh, I tried out the. Um... The new um, update, the new iOS 15 update includes an upgrade to the spatial audio Dolby Atmos stuff. It's now head tracking, which means certain uh, Dolby Atmos uh, recordings 
will be altered by if you move your head left and right, you'll be able to like reorient the sound. In theory, sounds pretty cool, right? In practice, a little less so. What I encountered giving this a try today while I was working is, so I have a job that involves me looking at different monitors. And so sometimes I have to kind of go like this for a little bit and go like this for a little bit. And I'm constantly looking back and forth between monitors as I work. In theory, the idea of the special audio is that the band is in front of you. So when you start listening to the song, it is placed in front of you. And if you move left, you hear it from your right ear. If you move right, you hear it from your left ear. That's the theory. The only problem is, is that it's designed to refocus every once in a while, depending on where you've been staring the longest. So if I, for example, need to stare at this monitor for a while, what will happen is it'll recenter. So then if I find myself staring at this monitor, the, my actual center, again, it'll sound like I'm actually listening over here because the band's still over here. <laughs> so the metaphor I thought of is like listening to Casey. It's as if Casey saw me looking over here and decided to walk over here physically <laughs> for a while, only to see me move back and be like, and then have to move back over here after a while. So yes, not exactly the use case they probably imagined for it. They probably assumed that somebody would just be centered the whole time and not be recentering constantly. So maybe it's not a great example of it. But just to point out though, if you are gonna try this out at home with your AirPods, just know that that's maybe, it does recenter it. Just know that going in. Otherwise, it's kind of a neat idea. It's a neat idea because you never necessarily know which instruments have been, have been recorded where. And so it will be kind of surprising when you're like, oh, okay, these, the bass guitar is coming from this corner. I will actually hear more of it if I do turn towards it, which is a neat thing. It's a very neat use of the technology. Is it necessary? No. It doesn't sound better than, you know, like a lossless file does. No, uh, but it's cool. It's a cool experiment. And it's cool that the technology exists. I mean, Apple wants to say it's the future of music. I don't necessarily agree, but hey, let them mess around and experiment because it ends up being fun to play around with. So, so we'll hear more when you get your head on straight. <laughs> I suppose so. But yeah, that's that's all. Um kind of just waiting for see what comes out next week. In the meantime, let's moosey on over. Moosey on over. To video games as we head into wrapping up the podcast. And we start video games with new releases. And if you didn't play it the first time around, that's okay. You can play the definitive edition, <laughs> or rather, Director Strand, Director Stranding, Death Cut, <laughs> Death Stranding, <laughs> Director's Cut for the PS Five. No, the Director Stranding Death Cut is the uh, is the original version of Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways, uh, we also have Dragon Ball Z: Colon Kakarot. For the Switch. This has already been out for other systems. Right. Finally making its way to the Switch. Lost Judgment for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. The last the game in this Judgment series? Question maybe? mark. Yeah. Uh, Diablo 2, 
Fallen Resurrected for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, PC. If you got it, you can play it. It's Diablo 2. Yeah. Resurrected. Remastered, essentially, is what that means. Yeah, um, yeah. Diablo Resurrection. It, Diablo 2. Get it. I never played Diablo 2. So I was actually, when they announced this, I was like, maybe this is when I try Diablo 2. I hear it's good. I remember Diablo 3 being like the big seller for PS3. Mm-hmm. PS3 or PS4? That was a PS3 game, I think. PS3. It was on the cusp of the new generation. I think it was on both. Right. Oh, I was like, oh, you can play the new one on the new system. Because yeah, I remember. Because, yeah, I remember when PS4s were still hard to get your hands on when they were just demo units prior to launch that was the one year that a friend and i went to the game uh, game stop yeah game stop expo in las vegas and they had kiosks running diablo 3 on uh ps3s next to the ps4 kiosks so yeah uh there's also sable for the xbox one xbox series x yes. and pc Sable is that game that has the uh, score and soundtrack by Japanese Breakfast. Delicious. That's that game. Yep. Uh, there's also Agatha Christie, colon, Hercule Poirot, dash, the first cases for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Sorry, new generation. Not quite there yet. <laughs> no mysteries for you. Uh, there's also Ghost Runner for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. Lemus Gate for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. New World for the PC. And lastly, Outer Wilds, colon, Echoes of the Eye for the PS4, yes. Xbox One, and PC. So that is an expansion. expansion. Right. Uh, to the Outer Wilds. Yeah. All right. Moving into our first video game story. And we go back to the Twitch well, because after months of strong words, the National Music Publishers Association and the live streaming platform Twitch have announced an agreement to work together in order to build productive partnerships between the service and music publishers. While the arrangement falls short of a licensing deal, it is at least a step forward uh, towards a more productive relationship between the two entities. The deal follows months of 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 animosity (laughs) towards... Animosity. Yes, animalosity <laughs> animal ferocity towards uh, the Amazon owned streaming platform from the NMPA along with other industry trade groups including the RIAA and the Recording Academy over what they deemed its failure to, proper, to secure proper sync and mechanical licenses for its soundtrack tool as well as quote, allowing and enabling its streamers to use our respective members' music without authorization in violation of Twitch's music guidelines, among other claims. 
The announcement states, quote, the deal paves the way for the economics of a new gaming models to increase visibility and revenue for songwriters, adding that Twitch will provide new opportunities to music publishers who will be offered an opt-in deal allowing for future collaboration to bring new facets to both the gaming experience and songwriter exposure. It also says that Twitch has created a new process that participating music rights holders can opt into to report certain uses of their music, to address when creators inadvertently or incidentally use their music in their streams. Once again, that's an opt-in <laughs> policy, but it's a half step in the right direction. So yeah, this is a very long-winded story when basically the, def the, the bottom line is is that at least the Publishers Association is playing ball and is interested in working with Twitch on a solution. Because what it seemed like for a long time is that they were just going to be like, Twitch, do something about this. Take care of this. Stop them from using our music. And Twitch was kind of left being like, uh, guys, we, we literally cannot stop people from doing this. You guys have to help us out. And so, yeah, so at least coming in and like, making some sort of changes and introducing some new like rules will help but ultimately what matters is to the creators on twitch who are left kind of in the air right now about like whether or not they can use music yet the answer right now is still no unfortunately um although there is like a little lighter side to this uh one of a fun viral clip that's been going on going around the last week has been in the new life is strange game true colors there is a mode that you can turn on to replace licensed music with non-replace like with non-licensed <laughs> music for if you're on twitch just google it there's a clip that's been going around that's very funny um but yeah and so but until there's some sort of agreement here until some sort of licensing agreement happens where twitch creators have an option uh there's just going to be more of that more weird awkwardness about like takedowns happening and games having to put alternate music modes in like this when they really shouldn't have to so it's just it's i hope that there is some sort of conclusion that's reached here i hope that this is a deal that really does pave the way as they're saying for something to happen because right now creators are getting frustrated with the fact that there hasn't been any movement on this i mean this is part like we want to play ball by the uh, publishers but also twitch i mean back up here real quick <laughs> and let's just concede that twitch won the streaming platform here because oh, there's yeah, no longer sure. a factor it's i mean i feel like there's still probably creators who are used or rely on youtube but twitch is just so massive that it's hard yeah yeah it's pretty much the de facto place Right, so this is kind of like the, I, I feel it's more the recording publishers saying that we give in, you're owning this space, we're willing to play nice now, more than mm -hmm. it is Amazon and Twitch being, welcome back to my table. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They have the upper hand. Like I said, Twitch in this situation is more like, we're... I don't know. You kind of just slapped us and then said, like, fixed it and didn't tell us what to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to get eventually to where 
it's going to be okay. Hopefully. I hope that there's some Hopefully sort of solution. Towards because... Amazon, but until then, <laughs> yeah. what's the alternative? Google? <laughs> yeah i don't know but it's it's just a weird kind of no man's land right now and so hopefully hopefully they'll they'll come to the table and figure something out hopefully all right let's get into our uh, second story mm-hmm. and we talked about it last week we hinted about it it came and we're here to talk about it playstation finally had its <laughs> showcase and boys, that yes. want to talk about. Yeah, uh, they went through some heavy hitters, pretty much everything that they needed to talk about, they brought up, and with a few surprises as well. Yeah, so we made some speculations last week about what we may see, and some of it actually came to pass. Maybe. Some of it did. What I'll say didn't happen is Square stuff was not here, so yep. no mention of Final Fantasy sixteen. Um, and no, no mention about whatever um, the next uh, in the near creators um, project list. Is, if, uh, but other than that, though, right, a lot of the no other Marvel stuff we stuff talked either. about. Well, I mean, there was some Marvel stuff. Well, yeah, okay, but not from Square Enix Marvel, though. Not the one we thought. Right? Yes. All right. Uh, so we'll start in order of how they how this trailer went, and we started with. Knights of the Old Republic remake. Yes, that's right. The beloved Kotor game yeah. is coming to the PS5. So it seems like this may be a temporary exclusive. Um, I guess people later found out that there is a plan for a multi-platform release, but it may be a release window exclusivity thing happening here. Uh, but yeah, uh, people who loved that game back at the Xbox, yes, original xbox era um it's cool that it's coming back and um it will hopefully introduce to another generation aka me who never played uh either the first or the second game because i didn't have an xbox yes you can finally see uh play the story that everyone says is the greatest star wars story ever i've heard good things that right there is the good thing we also have project (laughs) e trailer yeah, that was that weird, like, Bayonetta-looking uh, third-person yeah. action game. I passed on that and went straight into Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Yes, as a new trailer that for up, that. Like, yes, give me the guns, give me Tiny Tina, give me this Borderlands-esque shooter, wild and craziness. I'm still on the fence about this one. As much as I'd love to get on board with another Borderlands, I feel like I was burned by three and now I'm a little hesitant about going back into that universe. Um, yeah, I may punish myself by ordering it, but <laughs> yeah, I'll have to, I like it. You'll have, you know what? You'll you'll have six free months of um, of GameFly to use it on. GameFly, it's a safe way to not yeah. spend sixty dollars on it. I know, seventy dollars. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> PS Five. Yeah. Uh, we also have. Forspoken for the trailer. Forspoken. This game looks really cool. Speaking of Square Enix, this was their entry into the show, and it was something that I guess had been previously announced, but it hasn't really been shown off. It was the first time I was seeing it, and it looks really neat. This is the one where it's like kind of like pulling in a person from the real world into a fantasy world, and she kind of has to learn 
like how to fight and use spells and stuff as part of this and kind of deal with her own kind of emotional turmoil that she left in the real world. It seems like a really neat concept. Um, I mean, not that the isekai like person visiting fantasy world thing is new, it's not. But in a video game, we haven't seen it in a long time. So like, I think it's a really exciting idea and the trailer looked cool. Uh, we also had Rainbow Six Extraction yep. trailer. Another trailer that's coming out soon. That's the zombie um, Rainbow Six game. Yep, Zombies Rainbow Six. Uh, there's also Alan Wake Remastered. Yep. Uh, you don't have it here, but also uh, the um, Uncharted 4 Remastered. That's later. I do have it. No, that's right. Oh, there it is at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, well, just, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> of remasters, GTA Five remastered remake, not GTA Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, delayed ish, but a new trailer was revealed. Yeah, it got delayed till March of next year. Um, it was supposed to be calendar this year, and it's obnoxious to me that a game that originally came out two generations ago. Is still getting delayed as they polish it up for next gen. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Uh, we also had uh, Tokyo, or sorry, Ghostwire Tokyo trailer and mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. I, I lied. Yep. There's the Marvel one. Yep. And then Marvel. I think that's also Square Enix, too. So that is, yes, they're publishing that. Bum, bum. <laughs> Uh, Vampire, Colin the Masquerade, Blood Hunt was also shown off as well. Yep, another trailer for that. That's the um, Battle Royale set in the Vampire the Masquerade universe. Yep, as well as the final Deathloop trailer because that just came out. Yep. Uh, we also had Radiohead Kid Amnesia, a virtual exhibition announced. Yes, apparently this is to coincide with re-releases of both their two albums kid a and amnesiac mm-hmm. um that will be this will be like a visual like tour slash thing to go alongside those releases right the reissued album right uh there's also the chia to chia trailer <laughs> it's a it's, it's is... island island animals yeah, this looks super cute. And they were like, uh, like, uh, well, like these two children on an island and really colorful visuals, really cool looking game. It looks like a real, like, maybe like a more gentle, like less stressful take on a open world game, which sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, and the, here's the um, port I was talking about. Uncharted mm-hmm. 4 and Lost Legacy coming to PC and PS5. Yes. And then we get to the actual meat of this thing. Right. The stuff we actually want to talk about. <laughs> Starting with Insomniac as he announced two different Marvel games. That's yes. right. Insomniac and two Marvel games. The first one being the one we knew was going to happen, the one we kind of hinted at last week. Spider-Man mm. 2 officially announced it's a coming and yeah it seems like it's what everybody was hoping it would be which is a team-up game between the peter parker from the original game and the miles morales from miles morales the 
spin-off slash expansion thing that they released for PS5 at launch. Yep. Um, Unfortunately, it's not going to be until 2023. Yeah, that's the downside here is that it's pretty far off. Uh, but hey, the fact that we know that it's coming is exciting. Now, whether or not it will have co-op in it is still up in the air. I kind of hope it does. I think co-op would be a no-brainer for that. But, uh, you know, even if it doesn't, it'll be cool kind of going back and forth between those two characters. Right. But, I mean, 2023 is on target because the first one, 28, came out in 2018. And mm-hmm. that's five years, 2023. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the game that got the internet a buzz was that they announced a Wolverine game. Yes. And when I say announced, I mean just the trailer, the one minute yeah. trailer. I told you nothing. Literally, but just literally said, told yep, you nothing. Wolverine. Yeah, it just gave you what you wanted, which is, hey, here's the Wolverine, here's him schnickting his blades out, and that's all you need. Um, that game's probably even further out than 2023, if I had to guess. That's probably the next thing they go, they're going to work on. Um, so yeah, we're probably super far out from seeing what that is. Hey, but hey, the last time they put Wolverine in a game, it was actually pretty good. So I have pretty high hopes for this. I think that, and if any team is going to do a good Wolverine game, Insomniac can handle it. Yep. Give me a, well, I want to say a World War II Wolverine game, but... <laughs> If it's going to be something akin to the Spider-Man games, you got to have some place that's open world. So, yeah, rampaging Europe across Canada, maybe, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Not a whole lot to go off of. Just that it was announced. Speaking of stuff that was just announced, but not a whole lot to go off. But I'm pretty sure we can guess what it is. Tech demo time. Yeah. Trisbo Seven trailer launching this yeah. spring. So yeah, this is was already previously announced, but this is the most we've seen of it so far. It's Gran Turismo. It's a racing game. You know what this is. Yep. Show off those pretty, pretty graphics. Uh, that mm-hmm. is a March 4th release date. And then they were done. And or were they? of note happened. Nope. Wrong. Nope. Oh, you're right. Yes, we have to talk about um, well, no, we talked about it last week, how PS, PlayStation got really upset with the, um, all right, I'll, I'll start being around the bush. God of War was announced. Well, it was, it, again, previously announced, but they showed off more of it than we've seen so far. Yes, God of War, Ragnarok, the final, the f- finale of the God of War Norse saga. And yes, I did say finale. Um, the directors, both of them, came out and said that this will be the end. Kratos and Atreus' story of Norse gods will end here with God of War Ragnarok. Is his name really Atreyu? Isn't that the band? Yeah, it's Atreus. <laughs> or boy. Or Loki. Boy. And boy. I think he's just boy. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Boy, Kratos and boy, although yeah. he's grown up boy now. So how do you how do you feel about the trailer overall? Um, I saw some people saying that they thought it looked too similar to the first game. To which I say, what are you complaining about? That first game was perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, it will. Uh, from what I could gather from the trailer, 
it did look like it's going to be the exact same kind of premise mm-hmm. of a full game in what's ostensibly one take, zero mm-hmm. hard cutscenes in it. Right, right. Which is the one thing I love from the God of War 2018 game. Yeah, it's cool. So more of that, more Norse mythology. But I did, like I said at the beginning, it did kind of make me upset that this will be the end of their time here in um, Midgard, Nine Realms, Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. To which I was upset. But then they gave their reasoning and I couldn't be upset at them. Mm -hmm. Being that it took them five years to develop God of War. They -hmm. started the game in 2013. Took them five years, released in 2018. It's going to take them about another five years to put out God of War Ragnarok, which puts it into 2023, I think. I'll think of 2022 at least. So it's either end of 2022 or 2023 release. I would bet that this is, I would bet that this is probably aimed toward November of next year, if I had to guess. Right. October of next year. But if they're going to do a follow-up game, it's going to take another five years. That puts it to mm-hmm. 2027. And by that point, you're probably talking about PlayStation 6. Um, and you can try something new with God of War again. Right. And you're able to spend 15 years on a single story instead of something <laughs> you could probably been in 10. Right. And in 15 years, you don't know where yourself is going to be by that time. So you want that door open. 10 years is plenty of time to tell the story that they want to tell. Especially with how expansive the PS5 can handle and the power Mm -hmm. in it and how much memory it can hold in terms of story and space and gigabytes and all that glorious tech stuff. So they can tell a long story here and their goal is that if you played... Mm -hmm. 2018 and then Ragnarok back to back it's one complete story and you're getting 40, 80 plus hours out of the game just in the story alone Mm -hmm. you can tell a lot within that story time Yeah. so yeah um, even though it is the end I will be sad when it is the end I'll be happy for the journey I'm on Can I just call it now my game of the year for whatever year it comes out? 2022. <laughs> uh, maybe don't count your eggs before they hatch here. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it was a solid show. It was They showed everything they needed to show. They assuaged, I think, a lot of people's fears about God of War and GT. Was like, and I think they surprised a lot of people with Wolverine. So they did a good job, I think. I think people came out of that thing being confident about the future of PlayStation. Now, did they come out of it confident about the future of PlayStation for the year 2021? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Uh, instead, it was all very future. It was all very like, this, this is the plan for the next couple of years. And you know what? That might just be because that's what they have right now. And COVID sent a lot of projects back further than they should have been. And so I think 2021, we're just going to have to write off as another kind of lost year in game development. And 2022 is looking like it might be similar. So we'll see. And like you said, or like we said here, Naughty Dog was not at this showcase. So who knows what right. they got cooking up. 
Yeah, they have a remaster. Yeah, they've been co-signed remasters. So yeah, who knows what they've got, but um, we probably won't know until next year. All right, let's uh, tear into the end here. As we've got a couple thoughts here. Yeah, just quick. I say a couple, but one real quick. Pokemon Unite, mm -hmm. officially on mobile as of today. Download it. You can play across your Nintendo account to mm -hmm. your phone. And it makes the gaming a lot. I don't say it feels quicker. But it definitely feels like it was built for mobile, as I mentioned with yeah. the original Pokemon you like when it came out, that it definitely felt like it was built for mobile. This is just me more or less confirming that it's definitely mobile-esque. Oh yeah. Well, and, because they know in yeah, they know for an international audience they're expecting that game to be mobile. Uh, the Switch is more just icing on the cake because they could have done it and they have the Nintendo connection. Um, but yeah, no, this was built to be a mobile game. Yeah, um, I'm kind of glad that I played the League of Legends Wild Rift because it definitely prepared me to play uh, Pokemon Unite on my phone. Yeah. But the game I talked about last week said that we played, that you played, that we're going to play and talk mm -hmm. about. Madden 22 is here. Yeah. I really wish I had more time to talk about it because we are desperately running out of time here. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um... Well, I guess the, the easy way is probably I'll just ask you some questions about it. How do you think it plays in comparison to recent Maddens? Uh, did they fix anything that they need to be fixed? So if you remember uh, back when the Super Bowl happened this year, I was able to play Madden 21 for like that week of the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So I was able to compare it directly to last year. And I can say it's a hell of an improvement. Good. Especially in story mode. I am currently streaming um, someone awesome as quarterback unfortunately it kind of pushes you to be that number one overall pick so you're going to end up on the jacksonville jaguars with you know lackluster results so suck it but funny thing is that because it knows you're going to be on the jaguars when you go to like the news of the jaguars the first thing it says is trevor lawrence dropped by the team <laughs> so you're not competing with him you That's are. funny. <laughs> it's a funny meta joke. Uh, but um, talking mainly about face the franchise, because that's what I played. Last year, you had one option. So you had two options. You could be a quarterback. Or you, could, no, mm. you, just, you could be the quarterback. That was it. You couldn't be a receiver. You could only be the quarterback in face the franchise. Yeah. That is changed, and I am so goddamn happy about it. Right. I saw you could be a running back, and I was like, ooh, that sounds like my speed. That's what I would want to do. Yeah, you can play quarterback, running back, receiver, or linebacker. Yeah. They're bringing back the defense, and I love it. One of the best parts about the old Madden game, Superstar Mode, which was before Face the Franchise, was that you could play as any player on the field as mm -hmm. a superstar, and that was great. It was awesome. You could be tackle, defensive tackle, safety quarterback guard if you wanted to center it was fantastic i mean you're still limited to skill players here obsessively mm -hmm. but at least you're not forced to be a quarterback and that's awesome yeah yeah that being said someone awesome is a quarterback 
Well, because he's someone else, and he has to be the star of the team. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm eventually like once I'm done with this season, I know I'm gonna go right back into it and make yeah. me a running back, make me an awesome running yeah. back. Yeah, and change my stats up a bit. Someone Try awesome to has to be awesome at everything. Well, yeah, that's why his number's ninety nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all ninety nines. Yeah, well, because I couldn't be sixty nine for some reason, so ninety nine. No wonder. I wonder why they would prevent you from being that number. Hmm. Makes you think. Well, because uh, one of the like tackles on the team was already that number. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, but yeah. Uh, well, part of like, the new rule in the NFL is that you can be any number you want. There's no like, okay. restriction on it. So yeah, like, yeah, 99 at quarterback. Nice. Sure. Uh, Outside from that, every other bill kind of plays the same, though. That's like yeah. the one thing they touched up. That's also the one thing I was gunning for and hope they touched up. Wish they did. But everything else, it's like Madden Ultimate Team and Franchise Mode and everything else, more, it's the copy paste with updated rosters. That's the vibe I got from playing last week, which is like, this just seems like last year's game with some tweaks here and there. Like I said, did you notice what I was talking about with the visual presentations? Like they yep. toned it down a little bit from last year. Yep, it's still square, it's still blocky, but yeah, it's still really bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you have any other questions? I mean, that pretty much sums it up. I mean, that's Madden, right? It's the modes. The conversation is the, what modes are in it? What? How does it play? Did they fix the things that were wrong with it last time? And how does it look? I mean, really, there's not much more to it. If it ha- It's football, and I think a lot of people want football right now, and it's there for them if they need it. And I think that the better for worse thing about it being the only official football game in town is that you have to you have to play it if you want one because there ain't nothing else. It's yeah, it. I mean, we we constantly say that it feels like copy paste Madden for the past couple yeah. of years. It is. We definitely did a facelift on face of the franchise this year, so that gives it a plus in my book over last year. Yeah, for sure. But it's still not that still sea not, change we yeah. expect from next gen Madden. Maybe that's next year. Who knows? Right. We'll see. But if I, I mean, technically this would be my year to buy Madden and uh, I would not be upset for buying this game. I still think my two cents is I still think wait until next year because by then hopefully we'll be full next gen refresh. Right. Which by by every two years, by the time we get to the following year, they will have perfected Mm -hmm. it. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Maybe. That's why every <laughs> other year kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But with that, I think that wraps us up here. Unless you've played anything else. Uh, I played a whole hell of a lot more World Flipper. That's pretty much all I did. Uh... <laughs> See, I was playing World Flipper a lot. And yeah. then Pokemon Unite came out. And uh-huh. I think that's just going to replace that. Sorry. How far did you get in World Flipper? Did you finish the campaign? Uh, no, I got to the desert. So okay, the, ship, so you're the like, pirate ship. Oh, so you're like World Four. Um, yeah. Okay, I I, I, started, I would say like, I, I got the first world of pirate ship, and then I okay was like trying to level up my characters and other stuff. That is the level where I felt like it hit its croup. Like I feel like the storytelling in that game gets good once you start being the pirates, and they're fun characters. I like Marina, and where that story goes is fun. Um, 
but yeah, I finished, I finished the campaign and why I'm using quotes here around the word finished is because they're not finished with the campaign. I got to the final level and it literally told me, hey, go do something else because we need to update it with these new levels and we haven't done it yet. I'm like, great. So I got kind of kicked to do other uh, events and stuff for a while. Um, but the good thing is that they let you redo those earlier levels in the campaign in harder EX mode. And so I'm going through right now and doing everything again in the X mode. Yeah, I was doing going back and doing the EX mode when I realized that wait, I should probably just like page into the story first and say yeah, that. don't do so it like, right away because it's much harder. Uh, oh, yeah, wait no, until like, you're I did the first like yeah. two and it was fine. And they got to the third, I was like, oh, you died. Ha ha. I was like, damn it. Yeah, no, I I basically one. I didn't have a problem problem with anything in World Flipper until I got to like World Five, I think. Then I started actually dying in EX. I'm dying all the time to like the final bosses. Is really they they make it really hard and make you need to grind the mana board uh, to actually like do well. Right, um, like actually play and not auto it. Yeah. So I'm kind of experimenting with all the modes that it has right now. It just introduced just last week a new Necropolis-like mode that lets you, um, let, that's kind of like a challenge, like boss rush mode, which has been interesting. It's been a challenge, though. It's definitely way harder than I expected it to be. And uh, yeah, I've done a lot more rolls. I've got a lot more five stars. I'm having fun with it still. It's I feel like I'm getting close to maybe burning out on it just because of how hard it's getting. I'm getting to basically in-game territory where it's telling me like, okay, you're at the point where you just got to grind. And I'm kind of like, yeah, but I liked when this was a fun story-based game. And now I'm just like, all right, it's becoming more work than it is a story. But, that's what happened with uh, Game yeah. of Hearts and Cross for me. That seems like what happens to most that story. gotcha games. Is This is the fate of every gotcha game is that when you run out of story, you have to grind. And it kind of forces you in. But next week, hopefully, I'll talk about some new stuff. I have installed Psychonauts 2 on this computer. I just need to play it. Unfortunately, okay. it's too late tonight. I will not be able to start it tonight. But it is installed as of this morning and ready to start up as soon as I'm ready for it. And then Gamefly is sending me a copy of Deathloop. And I should be able to play it before this uh, podcast next week. All right. So we have that next week to look forward to two games um, potentially i also have to uh show that i've been watching on netflix called squid game which i will finish up with like two episodes left and i'll talk about that okay next week uh, and then yeah plan. more news more stuff to yeah. talk about you know all our socials we can cut this. Yeah, you know that you know the business. So if you want to catch us next week with another episode, uh, you can go to youtube.com and search Media Boat Podcast. Find our channel there. Like, subscribe, comment, whatever you need to do. Click the bell for notifications. The whole nine yards. Uh, you can also listen to us in audio form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music uh, or podcast more accurately. You can find us there by searching Media Boat Podcast. You can find us occasionally playing video games on media on t on on twitch.tv slash mediaboat. You can find us on social media platforms. On Twitter, we're at mediaboatcast. On Facebook, search mediaboat podcast to find our page. And if you want to email us questions, comments, anything that you'd like us to know about the show, you can do so at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And that'll be it.
for this week. Thank you for listening slash watching. Have a good week, and we'll be back next week for even more. Yep, we'll have more thoughts next week, more new TV that we will get yeah. to, and a lot more news as we come to the a end of September more. next week. Sounds like plan. Fast approaching. Also, next week, episode 299. Yes. We're approaching 300. 300. We're getting there. All right. We'll be back next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.